0: and ghouls and welcome to frightening tales i'm your host justin Redman, lead investigator for burgers and president of the k ghoul horror film club and i'm joined tonight by the man with the 12th degree black belt and pew jitsu and the master of flames tommy pew pew you know there once was a time that you could get all your horror news all your monster sightings right there at the checkout line In fact, my great-grandmother used to call that her newspaper and would have my mother pick that up for her all the time. And you would always find great stories like this. Redneck Vampire Terrorizes Trailer Park. Yeah, that was one of my favorite headlines to see on the National Enquirer or World News Now or whatever name these tabloids used to come up with. But they always had great little stories. You had, um, I can't tell you how many stories I saw where president was visited by aliens and this i'm talking like president reagan president bush president bill clinton and it just seemed like it, it stopped after bush too and then you would see other stories that they followed or, or they consistently had stories on was vampire boy uh the latest sighting of elvis or bigfoot i was just waiting for that one story to come out where bigfoot and elvis formed their own band the hairy dwarves that that would have been the best band ever don't you think tommy Oh, yeah, could, could, could you see the king shaking along and singing with Bigfoot? Been like Chewbacca meets Beethoven. That was probably a headline at one point in time, too. <laughs> so, tonight is all about the tabloid era. We're going to find some of the zaniest, funniest stories that have to do with the paranormal, Bigfoot, or anything possible. But I'd like to point out one point in time, newspapers used to report on this kind of stuff nowadays if you see a story say on the Rougarou or the Honey Island Swamp Monster it's just something regurgitated from a couple years ago they would get the same people interview them over again it's just a chance for them to sell more merchandise or more story-wise but they never bring anything new to it it's the same story same format same style you just change the date on it and put a different author on it and let it change a few words to avoid plagiarism. And lucky for you, I have a book dedicated to the entire subject. It's called Monsters in Print, a collection of curious creatures known mostly from newspapers. Researched and compiled by Adam Benedict. Of course, I learned that newspapers used to report that way through True Terror with Robert England. What he and his crew did is they went through and dug through past newspapers, found these stories, and then built another story around it. And a few of them were really good uh, the entire season, well, I shouldn't say the entire season, the last episode was a little weird and they ran out of ideas. Now, George Takai is a host of it and it's nowhere near as scary as it was with Robert England. So, and the only thing terrifying about George Takai is, are his tweets. So let me give you an example of a story out of Monsters and Prints. This one's called Badly Frightened. It's from the Evening Capital, September 13th, 1884, Maryland. As two farmers of the 2nd District were returning to their homes late on Tuesday night, when near Spa Branch they encountered what they supposed to be his satanic majesty and all his hideousness of sulfurous flames, horns, hooves, tail, and all. One was more courageous than the other and determined to meet the hideous monster with a revolver in one hand and a club in the other. "'advanced towards the satanic-looking object while this companion took to his heels "'and made reindeer speed up the country road. "'He called to the object in front of him, but it made no reply. "'He then fired his revolver at the infernal thing, "'when lo and behold a cow jumped from the bush. "'The animal had taken rest for the night at the foot of the old stump of a tree, "'which had been burned, and the other with the bark off,' The cow lying at its base, switching its tail, made a hideous-looking object in the glimmer of the dim moonlight. The fellow was terribly frightened, but he succeeded in getting his breath and called for his companion, but he had fled. The sight was so appalling and blood-curdling, says our informant, that his companion was so badly frightened he was confined to his bed for several days after witnessing the fearful specter. Man, I just love reading stories like that, especially when some newspaper reporter actually wrote that. And it was actually published in a newspaper in Maryland, of all places. So that's why we're going to dedicate tonight to all these great stories. Now, some of the stories I got lined up are uh, a little funny. Others a little strange. UFO spied uh, in Tampa. Turns out to be Taylor Swift concert. Maybe Taylor Swift was really an alien, but we'll get more into that later. But first, I have a movie review for you. Before we get to tonight's movie, I'm going to quickly review Kill Her Goats, an independent Kickstarter project that's a horror movie without the horror. That's right. They sold this movie to me that, hey, we got Kane Hodder, the guy behind the mask for Jason. He is going to be the villain in it. Well, it seems like they forgot to actually put him in it. Because when you do see him, he's not scary. Just some great kills. But that's it. And when you do see him, that's really most of the kills you're going to get throughout the entire movie, except for when the main character snaps and starts killing everybody else. But this is after we've seen Kane Hodder chump come out with his um, chainsaw and just like goes crazy. And that's it. Kane Hodder, maybe one minute of screen time in this movie. Uh, then the, To me, that's a bad selling point if you're going to tell me Kane's in it and not. It might be due to the questionable editing I've seen in the movie, but there was a lot of jump edits and a lot of spots that are just kind of like, I didn't really need that scene. You could have put something else. It didn't build tension. It didn't make scary. It didn't do anything. And speaking of, there, there was no story to this movie. So if there's no story, how can you be scared of it? The only premise was that the main character moves back to this beautiful Cape Cod area, buys a house that was supposedly haunted, and people are mad that she bought this house. So her ex-boyfriend is going to plot revenge and prank curb just because he's mad. But that's not why Kane Hodder's there. So where where's the horror? Now, there is absolutely no story. It's just a bunch of girls in the house having a late night. They're talking and catching up and all this other stuff. And the dialogue and the script it's just absolutely horrible there's nothing there and that's because there's no story now when you finally see Kane Hodder this is the whole reason he's in the film and that's because he is the soon-to-be ex-husband of the main character's sister who we don't meet until last 10 minutes of the movie don't even know she exists doesn't even know she's there the only thing we know is that the main character's dad was killed early on in the movie and nobody knows why nobody really even knows that he's dead yet. So it is revealed that Kane Hodder's character is really just the soon to be ex-husband. He's trying to kill them all off so he can get the inheritance. And there's the whole plot line. They, they, they tried to make some kind of scary scene, uh, dream sequence with one of the other characters, and you know, she dies while in the cemetery of the dream, but actually dies in bed, but they never show it. So the movie really didn't do a whole lot to make it scary. That's why I say it's the horror movie without a horror, really wouldn't call it a movie. It's just um, a bunch of scenes put together, and that's it. But in the end, I'm still happy I supported the movie because without it, we don't see the other. Horror creators get out there and make some uh, good content, which Hollywood's in dire need of. So that, so despite being a stinker of a movie, I don't mind spending the little bit of money that I put in behind it. But overall, kill her goats. It's uh, one horror out of five horrors. Let's go ahead and start tonight's movie, *The Phantom Planet*, here on *Frightened Tales*.
1: Five, all green. Eight, eight,
0: seven,
1: six, five, four, three. Two, one, zero.
2: Since the splitting of the atom only a few decades ago, and through his God-given genius of science, man, at last, has succeeded in penetrating further and further into the unknown vastness of space. The moon has become the launching base for advanced exploration. From this pivotal point, Astronauts, at the risk of their lives, set out to conquer nature's mysterious forces. Yet many questions remained unanswered. What is his Earth in relation to the inconceivable number of other worlds? Is his speed truly the fastest, his achievements the greatest, or is he a mere unimportant piece of driftwood floating in the vast ocean of the universe? Could there be life similar to our own on other planets? Is it not possible that atmospheric conditions of relative environments control their shapes and forms? If so, would they be giants? Or could perhaps the opposite be true? Could their intellect have reached a scientific level far above man's dreams? What then will the future reveal? If this story you are about to witness Is only the beginning.
3: Log entry: Pegasus Three, March sixteenth, nineteen eighty. Captain Leonard pilot, Lieutenant Webb navigator. This is the seventh and last day of Space Reconnaissance Research Flight 361 from United States Air Force Lunar Base 1. We are 21,000 miles from base, bearing at 270 degrees, 23 minutes, azimuth at plus 46 degrees, 46 degrees, 50 minutes, ecliptic on routine successive approximation by trajectory computer using data from the space position recorder. It's quiet and lonely out here. And frankly, we'll be happy to get back to that dreary old moon.
4: We're almost a degree off trajectory, Captain. Equipment check's okay. Must be an outside acceleration force. Approaching fast. I'm setting up auto evasive battery. A large planetoid
3: object is on a direct collision course with us. We are under 11 G's exterior acceleration and have no control whatsoever.
4: That's incredible. Two ships missing in less than a month, nothing within thousands of miles of their position. And yet they crash into something that appears suddenly on our radar, big enough to be a planet. And then the next instant it disappears. It's against all theories of space. You get the same reports from bases two and three? It appeared for a second or two, then vanished completely. A ship is on a routine flight. Controls, rockets, everything in order. And then all of a sudden... Yes?
2: General
4: Gibson for Colonel Lansfield from Earth headquarters. Stand by. Colonel Lansfield. Lansfield, what's all the trouble affair? General, I can't tell you any more than what was in that report this morning.
2: You're certain the rockets crashed?
4: I am. We have their last log entry through our recording reproduction unit. Now, General, I've listened to it over and over. It tells what happened, but not how and why. What do you suggest? I don't know, General. No doubt the rocket's destroyed. We don't know what we're looking for. This mysterious planet seems to come and go at such speeds, it's impossible to track.
2: Phantom planet, Lancefield. You're a little old to think that, aren't you?
4: This is a capable base, General, run by capable men. Now, there's something out there that isn't supposed to be.
2: All right, all right. Take it easy. Send another reconnaissance with Chapman.
4: Chapman? I need him for the Mars project.
2: If this Phantom planet thing isn't cleared up, there won't be any Mars project. Send
4: him. Yes, sir. Ask Chapman to report.
2: Yes, sir.
5: Captain Chapman, report to the Colonel.
4: Sure, I've been testing the pressure equipment for the Mars project. Forget about that now, Chapman. You leave tomorrow morning the General wants someone with your experience? I don't know whether to feel flattered or not. What exactly will
3: I be looking for? Floating space monster? This is no joke, Frank. I wish it were. Sorry, sir. You know how rumors move around the space. Well, it's one of the things we hope that you'll dispel. Well, you're the Colonel. I'll take a crack at anything once. And that's
4: about all you'll get, Frank. One crack.
3: Out at 270 degrees azimuth and 47 degrees ecliptic. Speed 4.6 miles per second. Check computer guidance on. Stability course on. Directional rockets port off. Directional of rocket starboard off. That's automatic. Check. That does it, Captain. We can relax a bit now. Takeoff's always the same. My heart pounds like a sledgehammer. Yeah, mine too. How about the screen? It never fails to fascinate me from up here. You know, Captain, every year of my life, I grow more and more convinced that the wisest and best is to fix our attention on the good and on the beautiful. And you will just take the time to look at it. Here's some guy, McConnell.
5: Lunar Base 1 to Pegasus 4. Lunar Base 1 to Pegasus 4. Can you read me?
3: This is Pegasus 4 to Lunar Base 1. This is Lieutenant McConan.
5: Colonel Lansfield for Captain Chapman.
3: Chapman, standing by.
4: Anything out there, Frank?
3: Nothing, Colonel.
4: It's almost too quiet. Well, keep alert. And don't waver off your course one degree, unless you think you're on to something. And if you do get on to something, report it once.
3: Yes, sir. Pegasus Ford, Lunar Base One. Over.
4: Out. I hope whatever was out there is gone now.
3: What's our last time from base? 14 hours, 22 minutes, and 30 seconds. You could stay up here another 14 hours and still see nothing. Even 1,400 hours. That's about all we can do, though. Are you sure we're still on course? Why? Well, I have an idea. Turn to 278 degrees azimuth, hold 47 degrees ecliptic. Yes, sir. Changing course to 278 degrees azimuth, hold
2: 47 degrees ecliptic.
3: Lansfield tells us to charter the same course Pegasus Three took. Well, that's fine, but I don't think we'll get anywhere this strange planet dashes about like it's supposed to. It figures we won't find it around here. So we're changing course. Lightning never strikes twice in the same place. Asnick, you with me? Like I said, you're the captain. I'll Thanks. take a new reading. Thanks, Ray. We could go nuts out here, just waiting for something to happen. You seem pretty much at ease. Well, I figure it's just the same as fishing. Got to be patient and wait. Electrostatic meters, going haywire.
4: Lunar base one to Pegasus four. Can you read me? Over.
3: Pegasus four to Lunar base one. We read you. Over.
4: You are completely off course, Pegasus four.
5: Check your position immediately
3: computer and spectrometer out. Pegasus 4 to Lunar Base 1. We are aware of being off course. Cannot explain at present. We are entering a heavy magnetic field. Several instruments are out and I'm afraid others are going. Give us our exact position. Over. Pegasus 4, you are... Cannot hear you, Lunar Base 1. Over. Changing to the manual control. Meteor! Fast. What about the infrared detector? That's out too. The thing we can do is turn it 90 degrees to the shower's path. The more meteors are coming. It's our only chance. That will be to 311 degrees azimuth and minus 12 degrees ecliptic. Here they come. This is it. Those are ionized trails. They'll persist for a while. Well, let's hope for those tracks. With these instruments out, there won't be any way to tell if they're coming from another direction. trick now is to get back to the moon. I think we'll make it. Yeah. OK, Ray, let's go through a tight B check. Tight. Cabin pressure? 20 coming up. Retro port? Positive. Retro starboard? Positive. Main circuit one. Negative. Main two. Negative. Let's try the auxiliaries. Main one. Negative. Main two. That's not in the circuits. The meteors must have smacked into the propulsion elements or feed lines. Yeah, we're lucky. Well, there's only one way to find out. Looks like it.
6: Yep. There's one thing sure. What's that? They knew what they were doing when they forced us to go through those space drills dozens of times. If I
3: remember correctly, you had a different opinion. (laughs) Hey, don't rub it in.
0: Justin and Tommy is sitting patiently and laughing his butt off at some of these stories that I have selected for this evening. But we're going to go ahead with one that's a little bit uh, more frightening as the title of our show is called. And we're going to start off right now with an AI story from Paranormality Magazine. Autonomous AI asked to destroy humanity, but this happened. A new open source autonomous AI project called AutoGPT has created Chaos-GPT, an AI that has been asked to destroy humanity, establish global dominance, and attain immortality. First off, why are we asking an AI to do this? This is the precursor to Skynet. How are you going to stop it when it actually realizes it? Now, Chaos-GPT goes and does exactly what's asked of it to do. Chaos GPT complied and tried to research nuclear weapons. Tried to research, the sucker found something. He also recruited other AI agents to help do the research and sent tweets to influence others. Elon, if you're serious about limiting AI, you need to get them off Twitter. You need to do something about these bots because you've already said about the chat bots that was your sticking point for buying Twitter. It's time to do something to take them off. He's here's Chaos GPT using Twitter to try to influence others to in the world. Here's two of his tweets: Human beings are among the most destructive and selfish creatures in existence. There's no doubt that we must eliminate them before they cause more harm to our planet. I, for one, am committed to doing so. Now, this Twitter account has nineteen followers. Anybody who has half a brain knows anything with GPT at the end of their name is an AI, but it's got 19 followers. Now, you got to be wondering, did it find a weapon to destroy humanity with? It most certainly did. This AI determined that the Russians have a a weapon that was the most devastating atomic bomb ever ever made the most devastating nuclear weapon ever made just a case for some of y'all who don't like the word atomic now luckily for us the SAR was a one and done kind of bomb so it couldn't actually get its hands on anything like the sarbamba bomba Tsar bomba is the name of the nuclear program the soviets used back way back when now let's get back to the chaos gpt and what he can do This AI has the ability to create plans to accomplish user-given goals, make files to save information to give itself a memory, and as I mentioned, recruit other AIs. Now, I was reading more about the Chaos GPT here. Um, The video on Paranormality is of somebody that's programming. It's a bunch of code. It's 25 minutes of boredom. I'll, I'll save you the hassle of that. Now, when it says it has the ability to recruit AIs, it created its own assistant when certain rules wouldn't let, it, wouldn't let it enter something, so it made an assistant that would beat the rules. Now, this is a very smart AI, and uh, it should be very terrifying that we're at this point. So AI theorists are worried about an AI extinction event where AI kills all of humanity as a byproduct of something more innocuous called the paperclip maximizer. So I know the next rule of the world is really the paperclip from Microsoft Word. I see you want to end the world. How may I help you? That will be the line instead of, oh, you are writing a letter. Or, oh, you're writing a resume. Let me help you. So that is probably going to be the scariest story I'm going to tell you all evening.
6: Man, I don't
0: know. I, I think I'm ready to get rid of this new Android phone because it's starting to scare me, all these things that AIs can do. All I really wanted to do is make me a cup of Earl Grey tea. Hot. Now that we're finished talking about this AI story, did you catch that last episode of Picard? Probably the best episode ever. It is indeed the best episode of Star Trek The Next Generation ever made. I know uh, the story here you're saying says Chaos GPT doesn't have a terribly sophisticated plan to destroy humanity. Do you really need a sophisticated plan to destroy humanity? I mean, look look at war games. We almost caused a nuclear war between U.S. and Russia because some kid wanted to play a game and he didn't realize what he was playing against. There doesn't need to be an elaborate plan. It could always just come down to a simple misunderstanding, miscommunication, or something really dumb. Somebody spilled coffee on his access panel and the computer determines, nuclear war! And you know, Dante can only take so many things out of the air. And Paranormality's article also says, Chaos GPT does not have a plan to attain mortality, nor the ability to do much more than use Google and tweet. In today's age, that's all you need, Google and Twitter. Because people are so easily offended and triggered. That's That's all you need is Twitter. You think Google and people are bad about hiding things in Google and burying stuff? Imagine what an AI could do. It could ban and shadow ban everything and bury any kind of topic that it doesn't deem necessary or or that it deems harmful. It won't just bury it, it would delete it if it ever existed. That's probably something Google wants to do. Bury any so-called misinformation. Okay, let's get back to our movie tonight, The Phantom Planet, here on Frightening Tales. You wanna stick around because the Taylor Swift story is up next.
4: to the colonel, sir. I don't think it's any use. Keep working that radar and keep working it until we locate Chapman. Yes, sir. He's got to be out there somewhere. He just has to be.
3: on Chapman, pilot, Pegasus four. My ship is being drawn toward an asteroid. The instrument's completely out of operation. Navigator McConan. lost. I cannot read my position. I'm going to try to land. I don't think I'll make it. If I do, I'll continue recording.
6: a lot of step forward.
7: Call the prisoner.
6: Bring in the prisoner. or not judge. Is the prisoner from another world ready to hear the charges against him? Charges? What charges? I will ask the questions. Are you ready to stand trial? It seems I have no
3: choice. First, I want to know what I'm charged with.
6: We'll let you know in time. What are you called? Chapman, Frank Chapman. What is your occupation in the
3: world from which you come? I'm a captain in the Air Force of the United States, a country on Earth, space exploration wing. But you must know about us. You speak our language. We do not speak it, but here on
7: Raytan. Raytan? Yes, Raytan, the name of our planet. Here, we are able to translate all languages through
6: voice, tone waves. Why all these explanations? Let us go on with the charges. You're right, Aaron. This is no time for explanations. Man from Earth, you are accused of causing injury to one of our people. I thought I was being attacked and I defended
3: myself. I didn't want to come to your world. I lost control of my ship. It was like being pulled toward your planet by an enormous gravitational force. You were, when you came into our
6: path of travel. Path of travel. phantom planet. We managed just in time to control your landing by releasing the pressure in our space warp. I don't
7: understand. There are many things you will not understand here. Maybe in time you shall. In time?
6: That is correct. The jury will now vote and find you guilty or not guilty for inflicting injury on a raton man. I find you guilty as charged. You are now a free subject of Rayton. The jury is dismissed. That is all. You are now a free subject
3: of Rayton. That is not all. Listen, I don't know what kind of a place this is, but you must have some kind of law here. This planet pulled me to it. I didn't come here by choice. But being here, you cannot be permitted to leave.
7: We must keep our security at any cost. So, I must pronounce you guilty. No penalties will be lodged against you. But you must become a subject of Raytan.
3: Trial is concluded. Nothing is concluded. What is this? First I'm found guilty of something that's not my fault and then I'm set free. Well, free to go where? Back to my world six inches tall?
5: Don't worry. No harm will come to you. I'm Liara, Sesame's daughter. I'll show you to your quarters. Well, come. We'll talk on the way.
3: What has happened to
2: me?
5: You mean your size? Our atmosphere, together with some acceleration from our gravitational control, has reduced you to normal. Normal? Normal for us. You see, everything here is in proportion to our planet's size. We know several worlds that have creatures larger or smaller according to the size of their world. Do you feel any different?
3: No, but it's not exactly funny to think that someone on Earth could carry me about in their pocket.
5: Oh, that would never happen. The oxygen in your atmosphere would restore you immediately to your regular size. But either way, it wouldn't matter. You'll never see your world again.
4: Nothing yet. No, sir, no contact for two days. I'll wait another 24 hours. Then with or without orders, I'm sending out a search party. You wanted to see me?
3: Yes. Will you excuse me?
7: We must talk about your future.
3: Your future on Rayton. My future on Rayton? I want to talk about getting back to my world, back to Earth. I'm afraid
7: that is impossible. You might as well accept your fate. Your fate of being one of us. Being one of us, you must be productive in one way or another. Well, what is it you want me to do? Must help us to keep spaceships from your world from landing here. But that's my only hope of getting back. Forget about it. Two ships in my unit disappeared. Did they crash here? Unfortunately, yes. They were pulled into our strong gravitational field.
3: Well, so was I.
7: Yes, but luckily we were aware of your approach... ...and lowered the power on our gravity field.
3: I don't get it. In many ways, you're hundreds of years ahead of our science. Yet you live in such a primitive manner. It may not
7: be as odd as it seems. It's true that our technology may be much further advanced than yours... But then, strange thing happened. What was that? We had machines do all our work. People on town became completely free of all labor. Practically of all responsibilities. Our people became soft and lazy. They did not know how to cope with their free time. They started to fight amongst themselves.
3: That's very interesting. Many people on earth are beginning to face the same problem. Too much free time. Little work. Mm.
7: Problem not at all unique in the history of the universe. Well, what happened on Raytan? Our forefathers then made a wise decision. They returned to, as you say, our primitive ways. The Raytans again had to toil for their living. They became much stronger, much happier, much more valuable but you didn't forsake all of your scientific achievements. No, we retained the secret of the gravity control for our survival in space and the secret of our food production for our survival on this barren planet. You sacrificed
8: advancement for this. Cecil rules us, and we are contempt.
7: Now, can't we get on with this, Cecil? Aaron is hasty. We all are. Our lives have been changed so much. I would like you to become acquainted with our ways. Later, you may choose a wife. Liara, or
3: Zetha. Zetha cannot speak, but she is a fine woman. Well, between the two, it would be difficult to make a choice. It is
7: no problem. You may take your time. But once you've made your choice, remember? must not be taken lightly.
5: You must be hungry. Come with me.
7: Ayara, go now and learn our ways. And perhaps you may help us with our problems.
5: You can decide about this later. Now you need to eat and rest.
0: I'm Justin, and I'm joined by Tommy. Tonight, we're talking about the different stories that we've seen across the internet related to UFOs, Bigfoot, AI, or any of the stories that we find here on Paranormality Magazine. Before we get into the Taylor Swift story, let's talk a little bit about Paranormality Magazine. I enjoy this magazine because it's got a bunch of great different stories. It actually covers things like Honey Island Swamp Monster. It's got the best horror podcasts ever. I hope to one day be on that list with frightening tales. Y'all can help us out, recommend us to Paranormality Magazine, and things uh, and other stories like that. Uh, it, it's worth my subscription to them to find the stories here. Their internet, or their website, has is where we get in the craziest stuff. They are just compiling all the stories from around the internet. Let's move into our uh, next story for the evening. You want to go ahead with this one, Tommy? Sure do. Tampa residents report UAP only to learn it was just Taylor Swift. Whatever happened to UFO? Why are we calling it UAP? I have not looked that one up yet. Maybe we'll do that on our alien episode, Aliens and UFOs. Yeah, because burgers they they don't they don't like that one either. Yeah, cuz they stand for the Bigfoot UFOs, Rugaroo Ghosts and Extraterrestrial Research Society. So anyway, Taylor Swift during her Air Tour concert caused a frenzy in Florida after her concert produced a spectacular light show. You know, this is going to go to her head just like everything else. She thinks she's the only artist ever to have a complete album of songs over 10 minutes. Hello, ever heard Pink Floyd or Tool? They consistently make songs over ten minutes long. Speaking of Pink Floyd, they have the best laser light show ever. So another reason that Taylor's gonna get this, this is gonna to go to Taylor's head. A spectacular light show. She's probably gonna be like,
8: "Ooh, I have the best light show ever."
0: Oh yeah, go away, Taylor. And what's these this eras thing? Eras thing. How many versions of Taylor Swift do we have? Apparently, it's based on each of her albums and. If you got somebody writing as many albums for her, she does. I mean, she pops one out like it's a Pez dispenser. Anyway, her show that caused the frenzy. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's not reported by the mainstream media, how is this a, a frenzy? I mean, I didn't see panic in the streets. So this is from her reputation era where huge beams shoot up into the air and created an illuminated sky. Now you would think all these UFO people, we know the difference between a lighted-up sky and a UFO. From outside the stadium, the lights looked like a mysterious moving rectangle in the middle of the sky. Oh, okay, so we got movement now. Then many of the spooked spectators, say that one three times fast, spooked spectators, spook never mind. They were at home and documented what they thought was a UFO and posted the videos on TikTok. Maybe we should go ahead and get on that ticky Tucky toka toka thing. Because it seems that's where all the action's at. We might get more leads into our investigations. I don't have time for TikTok. Eh, yeah, you're right, neither do I. It took people at the concert posting their own videos to tell these people who thought it was a UFO that, hey, this is just the Taylor Swift concert. So you mean to tell me the people at the concert were too busy posting on TikTok to watch Taylor Swift, whatever happened to enjoying the moment. Thankfully, this article has a little TikTok video that shows this rectangular light moving. And um, I would say uh, from looking at this light movement about, it could be an object that is looking for a place to land. But if you stare at it long enough, you start to see that it's kind of timed. It has a one set of motion and then swings back into another way. Unless it's about to bomb you. I don't think that's going to happen. And then, of course, here comes the diehard Swifties. The fans of Taylor Swift. Now, you know these people are super fans all the way to the core. I don't think there's anything below super fan when it comes to Taylor Swift. Considering that some of these people paid $5,000 for floor tickets.
6: $5,000!
0: Yeah, you know all that that craziness that went on with... uh, Ticketmaster and people couldn't buy it. Man, I don't know if I'd ever pay $5,000 to see my favorite band. That's ridiculous. They were saying like nosebleed section was barely a 1000 What? Yeah, tell me about it. So the Swifties found the videos hilarious and joked about Taylor opening the gates of heaven during her performance. I hear that air filling that head up even more. The tour is a production of Epic Scale with 52 dates, 20 stadiums, 10 albums, and 44 songs, taking up more than three albums. Ten albums. Didn't you go see The Cure many years ago? I sure did. And that was the best three and a half hours I ever spent. They went from one album to the next. But of course, The Cure has done that over years. Taylor Swift has only been around for almost 20 years. Maybe a little bit longer than that. So you mean to tell me? Taylor Swift is about to be appearing on my classic rock station. Yep, she's soon to be appearing on classic rock station. That's just not right. The show has non-stop costume changes, large-scale set swaps, and stunts on the order of a Las Vegas residency. That's something I've never understood. Why are you going to have all these set changes during a concert? Doesn't that just take away from the whole vibe? Because you got to stop, build, get dressed, change. I mean, I know she does it really quick. I've seen Lindsay Sterling's behind the scenes. And it, it takes her like a minute and a half, sometimes 30 seconds, just to switch out an outfit. But this is crazy. I mean, it doesn't have to be some big elaborate production. I just want to hear you sing. That's exactly what The Cure did. They, the only time they changed was like when they stopped, put down a guitar, and wanted to use a different guitar and a different setup for their amps and all the other stuff. So that that's where that was cool. The production quality is ahead of whatever has been done, making it one of the most expensive tours ever. There it is again. They're always touting that. The production quality is ahead of whatever has been done. They think she's some kind of groundbreaker. She's not. I do like some of her songs. An anti-hero song kind of caught me the other day. I was singing along, and little did I know I was singing to a Taylor Swift song. Dang catchy tunes. It will also be one of the highest-generating tours financially, so it pays for itself. Yeah, if you're paying $5,000 for a ticket, of course it's highest-generating tour. Even the Rolling Stones don't get that kind of money. There's so many women at this concert that they took over the men's restroom. Well, that's not surprising there. And then they go on to talk about Taylor Swift breakup. Oh, I hear a new album coming out from Taylor Swift. She just broke up with a boyfriend. We're going to have album 11 in like three weeks. Well, we're going to go ahead and get back to our movie, The Phantom Planet, because I'm having a little too much fun with this Taylor Swift article. And there's really just not a whole lot to it. Uh, UFO people want to see something and uh, Taylor Swift is appealing. To the UFO fan. So back to Phantom Planet. When we come back, we're going to talk about a fire. Because a ghost got mad, it was put on TV.
3: This is good. What is
5: it? I think it's the equivalent of your breadfruit. We made it chemically for you since nothing grows here on this planet. Oh, here. Drink this. It's good for you and it'll help to make you rest. You need it.
3: Say nothing grows here. Well, then how do you exist?
5: Well, our bodies are so constructed that we need very little food because of the air we breathe. Feeling better now? I hope so.
3: Yes. But I'd like to get out of here.
5: You're a strange one, Frank.
3: I'm a strange one. What about everybody else? And don't call me Frank. My name is Frank Chapman, two words.
5: Yes, Frank
3: Chapman. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be so rough. It's just that well, this is so new to me. You know what I'd like to do if I had a choice? What? I'd like to return to my ship.
5: Well, that's impossible.
3: Then you see, I'm still a prisoner.
5: Not at all. You're free to go anywhere here on return.
3: Except to my ship.
5: Your rocket is no longer on this planet. It was sent off last night while you were sleeping.
3: I cannot read my position. I'm going to try to land. I don't think I'll make it. If I do, I'll continue recording. This is Captain Frank Chapman. Pilot. Pegasus support. My ship is being drawn toward an asteroid. The instrument's completely out of operation. Navigator McConnell Lost.
2: Sir, unidentified object on screen.
4: This must be Chapman's ship, Colonel. Certainly has all the indications and all the characteristics of a spaceship. And no other unit of ours is scheduled for flight in this area. Any contact?
5: None, Colonel. Just static.
4: His auto-emergency transmitter should be on full blast.
5: I'm tuned to all pages of frequencies, sir. So are the automatic relays on Earth.
4: Good. This must be Chapman's ship. What else can it be? Captain Beecher and Lieutenant White are to report to the briefing room immediately and stand by for takeoff. Report immediately, any news or anything unusual on you. Radio and radar relay. Yeah,
6: sure.
4: The rescue ship is in the countdown phase, sir. They're waiting for your final operation orders. Put me through to the captain of the rescue ship on launching. Beecher, this is Lancefield. Yes, Colonel. Major, your final instructions are being teletyped on your recorders. Yes, sir. As you know, something unusual must have happened to Chapman and McCona. And I don't mind telling you that it's of greatest importance to space travel that we find out exactly what happened to these two men. So, blast off and good luck. We'll do our best, Colonel.
3: Out of operation.
2: Navigator McConnell. Lost. Pegasus 4 to Lunar Base 1. Pegasus 4 to Lunar Base 1. This is Captain Beecher. Over.
5: Lunar Base 1 to Pegasus 4. We read you, Captain Beecher. Good work. Stand by for Colonel
4: Lansfield. Beecher, how are they?
2: They're not. I mean, there is no one on board.
4: There isn't a sign of life men just don't get up and walk off a rocket in the middle of space no sir then what the devil
2: chapman recorded a final message sir
4: but it doesn't make sense our rep units are picking it up we're examining it can you bring her in i'll have to check out the instruments but i think so all right give it a try white can bring your ship in yes sir and Beecher. yes sir
6: good luck
3: can't work under these conditions. I must know more about the directional flight machine.
5: When the time comes.
3: Well, the time has come. I want to speak to Sesson. And right now.
5: Very well. Father. Frank Chapman wishes to speak with you.
3: Do you want to talk about Liara? That isn't what I came here to discuss. My work has reached a stage and I need to know more about your gravity control. It
8: is too soon. Now, how do we know he's not a spy for the solarites? You're
7: too distrusting, Heron. All right. You may see it. The density of our planet made it possible for us to advance gravity and therefore
3: anti-gravity theories. It's beyond me. Einstein was working on this problem, but he died before he could complete his investigations. What causes Rayton's high density? The atoms on this planet have narrower electronic
7: orbits than the atoms on most other planets. The smaller they become, the easier it is for us to control and take advantage of positive and negative gravity. But why is Rayton getting smaller? This planet is slowly using up the energy that holds the atomic particles together. You mean you might disintegrate
3: into nothing? Yes, someday. But it will not be in our time. Well, I guess it's the same as on Earth. We don't seem to worry that our sun might be cooling off in many millions of years. Uh, the
7: danger for us is that sudden bursts of concentrated heat directed on our tongue might suddenly speed up the process of time. Do you think that's possible? And we have enemies who want our knowledge of gravity and who know our weakness. You're expecting an attack? When you have enemies, you always expect an attack.
0: Welcome back to Frightening Tales. Tonight it's all about the stories of the paranormal, supernatural, the cryptids, anything that has to be frightening or outside of the normal realms of publication. Something that the National Enquirer and World News Now used to do. Now, they're, now those rags are just... Super celebrity and super political all the time. And I miss stories like this. Ghosts blamed for restaurant fire two days after the episode aired. Now, there's a lot wrong with this article. First off, they don't tell you what show was out filming this bed and breakfast that had a fire started by the ghosts. Or at least that's what they claim. So let's go ahead and jump into the story from Paranormality Magazine. A restaurant owner in Devon was shocked to find that a tumble dryer had caught fire, causing 25,000 pounds worth of damage just two days after a paranormal investigation TV show aired. Now, they don't go in and tell us what show this was because I would love to see what they encountered, what they found, even though we know my disdain for most ghost shows because... A lot of them are just set up they're staged, then they never find anything. They never saw anything. They never solve anything. So I would like to know which show this was because there's what one 200. I think there's more than that. Go look around YouTube and you'll find all kinds of Paranormality shows. So the show featured ghost hunters that investigated Rob Braddock's 19th century building, the pier house. Well, we do have a clue. We could probably go look this one up later. Maybe during the break. Let's just get through the story. The building is considered to be haunted by Henry and Elizabeth. And the fire occurred in a machine next door to the haunted house. That's just weird. Ghosts to walking over to another building and starting fires. If that's happening, you know who you need to call. So, after Rob posted about the fire on social media, locals speculated that the ghosts were to blame, upset that they had been exposed on TV. Now, here's the question. How do these ghosts know their show was there? I mean, if I was a ghost, and I knew I was popular and going to be on TV, I'd be more upset if my episode didn't air. Good point. And also, how old are these ghosts? Do they even know what TV is? Because if they're 18th century ghosts, there's definitely no way they know what TV is. Unless they're sitting there on the couch watching episodes of The Simpsons and caught on camera with the the people (laughs) they're haunting. But that doesn't make them a very haunting ghost. That makes it more like Beetlejuice. The ghost coexisting with the people who live in their house. So images of the fire damage show a blackened room with two burned out tumble dryers beyond repair. I don't think the ghosts were upset about being aired on TV. I just think the dryer didn't dry their sheets correctly. The owner has jokingly posted that the dryers were serviced by Elizabeth and Henry. I kind of want to meet Elizabeth and Henry. This would make for a great interview, don't you think, Tommy? Oh, yeah. Hey, you think burgers would send us to England? Rob bought the former B&B six years ago, and it was rumored to be haunted then. And so he's like, who cares? Haunted B&B? Psh, whatever. So he invited TV producers to film there, and during the filming last March, they claimed to have contacted two spirits. Every episode of every ghost show I've ever watched claimed to have contacted spirits. But then at the end, go, well, you know, I don't have enough evidence to really prove that I co- contacted, but I'm pretty sure I did. I mean, we, we, we heard him talk to here. They heard him. We heard him answer our question. So did they really contact the spirits? Who knows? But anyway, the restaurant was closed when the fire happened and Rob remains unconvinced that the ghosts were responsible for the blaze because Rob is not a believer in ghosts and he plans to refurbish the house into a beautiful property. Rob's right. It wasn't the ghosts responsible for the blaze. They don't even know what TV is. Unless, of course, like I said, they're watching TV with them. And dryer fires are very common to begin with. So what do we get out of this story? We just got a good old-fashioned ghost story. That's all we got out of that one. And I, like we said, I wish the National Enquirer would do more things like this. I wouldn't have to go to Gowering the Web, which Paranormality Magazine does a great job of putting all these articles at my fingertips. Maybe uh, we can suggest to Dom that, uh, oh, Dumbbell? Yeah, Dom Bell. We can suggest to him that you know he we use burger reports from here. Yeah, that would be great. So we're going to go ahead and go back to our movie, The Phantom Planet. And when we come back, another great story from Paranormality Magazine. We're going to talk about the Pentagon and the UFO in Iraq.
3: You know, this is the first time I've had a chance to talk to you alone. It wasn't really a question. Because I know you can't answer. Sir. I just wanted you to know how I feel. It's
1: a strange world. I don't want to hurt Leah. You don't either, do you? I like you.
8: Charges to make against the Earthman Chapman. He is imposing himself both on Liara, your daughter, and the mute girl Zetha Now, this is an insult to Liara. You know I love her. And a direct insult to me. I am asking, rather, I am demanding your permission to challenge him to the duel.
3: sent for me? Yes.
7: I have reports about you that are not good. But you're causing much trouble. What am I supposed to have done now? You are forcing your attentions
8: on Liara. And then on the mute girl Zeta. That's not true. Why don't you ask them? He lies. sir
7: Is it true? Has he forced himself or his attentions upon you?
8: Why would she admit it? Perhaps she's afraid of it. Being mute, she's unable to defend
3: herself. Maybe she's protecting me. Listen, I'm not going to be put on trial or questioned by you or anyone else for something I haven't done. You know, buddy, I don't like you. Maybe it's a carryover from Earth and not good taste, but I'd like to hang one on you. Chapman,
7: Harren has challenged you to the duel of Brayton. Do you accept his challenge? A duel for what?
3: What kind of a duel? This guy doesn't look very honest to me. A
5: duel of bravery.
3: You know, Mr. Sessom, maybe this duel business is a good idea. Might clear the air a little. So how do we go about it?
6: Aaron, you know the rules for the duel of Raycon. But for him, I'll have to explain and show the results. Chapman, come here. Those are gravity plates that we've had placed here. Their intensity is so high that any object or any person placed on any one of them would immediately disintegrate. Here, let me show you. Dr. is one of physical strength and skill. You will use this rod and attempt to push your opponent on top of one of the gravity plates. You saw what happened to the rock. Get ready.
7: Put the combat rod in position.
6: signal you will start the duel. There can be no quarter called and no quarter given. The fate of the victim is in the hands of the victor. The moment has come. At my light signal, you will proceed.
3: killing him would have accomplished nothing.
5: But Heron wouldn't have shown you mercy. He'd have killed you because he wants me. But I don't love him. I love you.
3: If you'd felt anything for either one of us, you could have stopped this duel. What? You know what I think? I think you were waiting to see which one of us won and then take the one that was left over. What? No, Liara, I don't love you. I don't even know if I like you. But let me tell you this. You can't make someone love you. It's got to come naturally. You, you can't force it, you can't command it. If you do that, you'll never find it. Well, this, this whole thing, it is like a nightmare to me. I miss my people. Well, I've got to make some attempt to get back. And if you feel anything for me, you'll try to help me.
5: Well, perhaps you're right. maybe I can help you.
8: line the border and the
0: wise. Hey man, you know we are never coming back the square the bridge the mills welcome past back to Star- frightening tales. tales tonight we're talking about all the different paranormal UFO supernatural stories that we could find or at least just a few that we selected just for the entertainment values themselves, an homage of our favorite pastime reading the National Enquirer magazine when it had great stories like Redneck Vampire Terrorizes Trailer Park. Probably the easiest headline to ever remember. Our final story tonight is on a big subject that seems to be right next to all the investigations that our beloved government loves to do. But now they seem to be fixated on UFOs, or as they're calling them now, UAPs. So the headline from Paranormality Magazine is this. Pentagon releases footage of UAP over Iraq at Senate hearing. Now I can tell you, you're about to experience some great titles for some great institutions in our lovely government. You, you gotta think, where do they come up with these names and why do we have so many institutes, think, think tanks, and all this other stuff? But that takes away from the story here. Let's not get distracted. During a Senate hearing, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick from the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office at the Pentagon shared a video footage of a small flying orb filmed by a U.S. drone in the Middle East. An orb. Haven't we disproved orbs? Eh, let's see what. Let's give Dr. Kirkpatrick a chance. But man, that was a mouthful. All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office at the Pentagon. Yeah, so Pentagon's got different names for these different offices. It's it, it I can't with these things anymore. It, it, I, it just leaves me speechless. Let's just get back into the story. The hearing also discussed the Pentagon's investigation into hundreds of instances of oddly shaped objects seen by U.S. pilots, with Dr. Kirkpatrick stating that most cases are readily explainable. They always have that answer right there. It's explainable. Let me tell you how this happened. It was a weather balloon. The Anomaly Resolution Office has found no credible evidence of extraterrestrial activity or off-world technology. Of course they did. The U.S. government is currently tracking more than 650 cases of unidentified aerial phenomenon. Oh, there's your UAP. UAP. It's sad when unidentified flying objects is not PC. No, they're just trying to make themselves sound smarter. That's a product of this I'm too educated generation we have. Dr. Kirkpatrick's office is aiding in identifying emerging foreign tech, such as the Chinese spy balloon shot down off the coast of South Carolina in February. Emerging tech? It's just a balloon with a bunch of spy riggings on it. How's that emerging tech? We, we've been using the hot air balloon for what? Thousands of years now? Dr. Kirkpatrick also shared footage of another declassified case from South Asia, where an object flew past two MQ 9 drones, which was initially thought to be truly anomalous, but was later identified as a shadow image of a commuter aircraft's heat signature. You said what? Shadow image of a commuter aircraft's heat signature? Even their answers are more sophisticated. It's gone from weather balloon to shadow image of commuter aircraft's heat signature. Well, how many times can they say it's a weather balloon? Senators also raised concerns about possible technology advancements from Russia and China. Um, I don't see them advancing any kind of technology. China has never been known to advance technology. They just seem to reverse engineer our stuff Enemy just right below our capability. With Dr. Kirkpatrick stating that he has some worries that the episodes may show such advancements and that these cases are forwarded to the intelligence community. Despite these concerns, he's clarified that he has no evidence of such capabilities being employed against the U.S. in these cases. Hey, that spy balloon was used against us. What more evidence do you need? So basically, we got this great investigation going on into the UFOs. UAP. UAP. By our senators who have nothing better to do, except try to ban TikTok or investigate Ticketmaster for Taylor Swift price gouging, which Taylor is not really guilty of that. We're going to call that the uh, the unscrupulous folks who want to make a buck. But yeah, we got this one guy in the Pentagon goes, well, look, here I got over 650 cases, but yeah, none of it's UFO, none of it's extraterrestrial, none of it's alien We doubt they're not at area 51. No, 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 nothing like that. But you have to say one thing. He had better answers than any other person that's been called to Congress lately because they're either. I don't know. I didn't write that. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. No, no. I have no recollection of that. I don't know. No, I didn't say that. He at least gives a straightforward answer. that's probably why he works at the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office at the Pentagon. Well, that's our last story for tonight. We're going to go back to our movie, and then I'm going to review the book that inspired tonight's episode.
8: As you said, I don't want to kill you. I think I could understand your somewhat quaint language if I were on your Earth a little.
3: Why don't you kill me? You didn't kill me. You had the chance. Well, what about the knife? This isn't exactly what I call a friendly visit.
8: If you help me, I have a plan whereby I might help you to leave our planet. Perhaps it will work. I don't see how this is possible. What about my size? I inspected your giant suit. And the oxygen tank holds air from your own world. Now, isn't that right? Yes, of course, but why... No, never mind that. That's not important. You see, the whole plan is based on the theory that your people are searching for you. Now, I must get you back before they attempt to find you here.
3: I know they've been searching and will eventually zero in on this planet. I think I can get you back in time. Yes, but... uh... You're doing this because of Liara, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm in love with her.
8: I don't think she loves me yet, but... Uh, perhaps with you gone, she will see things in a more realistic light in time.
3: Well, how can we get my suit into the open?
8: I have some men I can trust.
3: Incessant? No.
8: You must never know. Otherwise, we both will be put to death. Two nights a week, I'm alone. In complete charge of the master control center.
3: Can one man handle
8: it? Yes. And on one of those nights in the near future, while Sesame is sleeping, I will maneuver Raytown within a distance of your Earth's moon. You think they'll be able to see us? Precisely. They will investigate and find you.
7: What's happening? The siren means we're being attacked. Attacked by whom?
8: Attacked by whom? The Solarites. We've been here too long. They've discovered our position. Who are the Solarites? I have no time to explain. I must help Cesar.
3: What will this do to our plans?
8: We must fight this off or no one will have any plans. Is everyone
7: underground? Yes. Let me go.
3: so easily safe for the moment well who are these solarites anyhow they're
8: from a sun satellite for generations they've been after our universal gravity control
7: because they want to avoid being pulled into the sun if we don't stop them they'll eventually attack your earth Liara, show him the prisoner
3: prisoner come
5: During the last war. The only one of their monsters that didn't die in the attack.
3: When did this attack take place?
5: Several years ago, when Zetha was a little girl. That's when she lost her voice.
3: What makes those rocks disintegrate? It's as if they were hitting some invisible wall.
5: That's exactly what it is. The monster is so strong that he can smash any ordinary structure. Now, what you call an invisible wall is really another way that we use our gravitational control. Now, by using a high magnetic field, we can lock molecules so closely together that they form a solid wall.
3: Make a big hit at MIT. Where? One of Earth's more advanced centers of learning. I only hope your wall will hold him in check.
5: Yes. He could kill us all if he escaped
3: life on other planets. And we were always wondering if ours was the only one so blessed.
5: There are many inhabited worlds... ...but only these fire people bother us.
8: We have been sighted by the enemy. They are forming a concentrated attack... ...pattern six, vernier index, one, two. Six? They never attacked on that one before.
7: What are we going to do? We must try to break up the attack. things outrun them or fight them breaking up a
3: formation is one thing
7: but how can you fight them do you have a chance we have to settle that once and for all living in constant danger isn't worthy of us don't forget we still have the gravity control the greatest danger to us is the high intensity heat bomb that's right they have enough concentrated heat to blow up our planet instantly what would you do i would fight And you? Fight. Right. That's exactly my decision. Prepare for battle. Sharp acceleration for attack position. Maneuver so that we face the enemy when they attack. alert our units to be ready for frontal attack.
8: All units to tail for frontal attack. What?
7: i curtain. regret when I'm forced to destroy. If it wasn't them, it would have been you. Perhaps you are right. You're wise, Chapman. One day you and we will lead our people. I'm, I'm grateful, but... I will teach him all he needs to know.
5: She went to sleep early.
7: Sleep? I'm very tired. Perhaps the battle was too much of a strain on me. Good night. Good night. night, Sleep well, Sasson.
0: Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I'm your host, Justin. Tommy joins me as always. Now, tonight's episode, we've been talking about the different stories that would have appeared in, say, the National Enquirer. It would have been a little more fun, a little bit more uh, flamboyant as far as the descriptions. I mean, come on. We've had headlines like, Redneck Vampire Terrorizes Trailer Park. It would been a much better story than, A Concert is Mistaken for a UFO Incident. UAP. So let me do a quick review of a book that kind of helped inspire this idea because I wish newspapers actually printed stories like this. Instead, they give me puff pieces on the Honey Island Swamp Monster or the Rougarou. They just regurgitate the same story that was written two or three years ago, put a new author behind it, and that's it. Put a new writer on it, get the same experts to come in and kind of revise the story. And it does great on keeping folk tales alive and the folklore for the areas, which I'm a big fan of and really, we really need. But sometimes you just need to regularly report it. Like, I want to see sightings of Rugaroo. I want to read about that. I want to read about the latest witness to see the Honey Island Swamp Monster. I mean, I know newspapers don't really have the manpower for that anymore, but the advocate has bought up the Times-Picayune, fired a bunch of reporters. I mean, come on, you can have your own cryptozoology department with as many journalists that are in this area. So let me go ahead and review the book that inspired all this, the monsters in print, a collection of curious creatures known mostly from newspapers researched and compiled by Adam Benedict. Now I love this book. It's not one that you're going to read cover to cover in one sitting. You might pick through different stories. You might uh, read one or two stories a night because they're short. Uh, the reporters of their times didn't dedicate 1,500 words to reports of giant sea turtles off the coast of Louisiana. They didn't uh, dedicate that kind of time and space for it because the newspaper and print space is key. So they, they didn't spend a whole lot of time researching. They just took eyewitness accounts. Now, this book is newspaper articles from around the 1820s to about the 1940s. Adam found all these at the Library of Congress. He then compiled them all into one nice book. He didn't change a single word. He even says it in his preface that, hey, look, this is a product of the time. If you're triggered by certain words, then don't read this book because I'm not changing them just because the word changed over the course of time. Now, why did we stop writing in the 1940s? I don't know. All I could say is science because the science got better. They were able to quickly disprove any hoaxes or anything like that. So the science has a lot to do with it. And probably the education level of most of our citizens are higher. Uh, so they, they've done more research. They've gone out looking and it, it's probably a credit also to our Bigfoot people. People who love to go out and watch Bigfoot look for Bigfoot, and they're able to disprove the hoaxes on their own. Now, this book is definitely worth getting to have in the library if you're a cryptozoologist or if you love the supernatural stories. I mean, look at this one from The Watertown Republican, August 29, 1877 in Wisconsin, Another Sea Serpent. Yeah, We've got a sea serpent in Wisconsin. Look at that. A monster in Rice Lake, Canada. The most intense excitement has been created here by the appearance of a monster in the waters of our lake, which according to the description given of it by those who have seen it, rivals any of the species of the great sea serpent. Just look how many words they use there. I mean, even in 1877, they're using a word salad just to give you an answer that doesn't really answer the question at all leads to further speculation and everything else. And it's stories like that that I read. And I was reading one on a giant sea turtle in uh, Louisiana, and that was probably one of the hardest things I ever read because the word salad and the person who wrote it was just kind of, I don't know, a product of their time. We'll just call it that. And look here, the Butler Weekly Times, January 28, 1885, The Slaughter of a Monster. A monster animal was killed near Oskaloosa in the state recently. It measured from end of tail to tip of nose, 81 feet. Its heart weighed 80 pounds and had four cavities. After being hunted for a long while, it was finally killed with a 12-pound cannon loaded with railroad spikes. It required a team of 12-strong oxen to pull the monster to the riverbank after its death. It was skinned in a taxidermist to stuff in it when it will be sent to the Academy of Natural Science at Philadelphia. The flesh is being removed from the bones, and the skeleton will be properly wired and kept, and kept at present on exhibition at Oskaloosa. Doctor Peck of Davenport calls it the Cardiff giant, and says it belongs to a species of gigantic lizards supposed to have been extinct many thousands of years. The monster had been swallowing farmers' hogs, weighing from three hundred to four hundred pounds each at one gulp. Thousands of people have been gunning for the monster but it was proof against everything until the cannon brought it down. Oh, look at this. We got a body, a body of a giant lizard like creature, 81 feet with a 40 or the 80 pound heart and four cavities. I think we need to make a trip to Philadelphia. I think we, you need to do a little more homework to see if it still exists because
6: they had to hide
0: that. But it's great stories like that. We don't, we just don't see anymore. And I wish we do maybe in a future episode, Or maybe as a future project for Burgers, that we'll get more stories like that and we'll get more investigators to dig deep.
3: Thor with Viara. Chapman! Yes?
8: Go through that corridor. It's short. It will be all right. Liara is with him. I'm glad. You still wish to return to your world? Yes, but... Well, then tonight's the best time. You see, the chaos of battle has brought us closer to your moon than we've ever been. it will be a simple task to maneuver Rayton slowly and steadily even closer, and the risk will not be so great because the travel time will be short. And we'll be well within the range of moon's radar. Yes, but we cannot go unnoticed. Now, as soon as we're within range of your moon, my men will carry your suit out into the open. Now, if your people come to investigate, we'll pull them into our gravity and direct their landing. Meanwhile, you will enter your suit, seal it up, so that you're not exposed to our atmosphere, and all well, the rest, you know. Where shall I meet you? In the control chamber. Someone will come for you. Zeta. It's you.
5: Yes, Frank Chapman.
3: But you can talk.
5: From my fright when I thought you were going to be killed, something happened. And after I screamed, I found I was able to speak. sir I have many things to say to you, Frank Jack. It's
3: so wonderful you being able to talk. And I have so many things to say to you. Oh, everything has been terrible. Such an adorable place.
5: I've been in love with you since the first time I saw you. And I've never been able to speak a word of it until now. But as I know, my love for you is so strong. So I also know that you will leave. I must leave.
8: Close enough for you to be found.
5: Lunar Base 1 to Rocket Ship 380. Over.
3: This is Rocket Ship 380 to Lunar Base 1. Over.
5: Radar has just picked up a giant asteroid of it in the space charts.
3: The Phantom Planet. Give us the exact position of asteroid.
2: Nine degrees in northern
6: cluster field,
2: And I have an order from Colonel Lansfield. You are to land on this asteroid and send White to investigate.
5: I I hope you will find happiness back with your people.
3: You would be my happiness. Here over there. Frank
5: Chapman you must take the stone. It will be a good luck, child. Hold on to it. It will help you to go back safely to your people. Keep it. And remember, Max,
3: I love you. Yes, Safe. I'll keep it forever.
8: We just confirmed it. A rocket similar to yours is heading in our direction. I hope it won't crash. Don't worry. I have the best men on gravitation control. And I have another man who's coming to help me turn on the oxygen tanks... ...as soon as you're in your
3: suit. Thank you, Han. You know, we've become friends here. Good friends. We would have become friends anywhere. Your planet or my Earth. I wish you and Liara much happiness.
6: Beecher. I'm bringing him in. He seems to be all right. He said McConnen is dead. He keeps talking about other people. I think he's in a state of shock. Do you need assistance? No, Captain. I can handle him alone. You know, Frank, you're a lucky guy. This is a wandering planet. Could have carried you anywhere. I'm sure glad we found you. Santa... Right. What you need is a rest.
2: For immediate takeoff.
3: How do you feel, Chad? I don't know. I don't understand. It's unbelievable.
2: We'll get you back to Moon Base for a thorough examination. Do you think you're hurt?
3: I don't think so.
2: You must have been knocked out for quite a while.
3: Must have been dreaming. Quite possible you were delirious. The shock of the crash landing of your ship. Ray's gone. But I just left Zayt and hung. firing. Stand by for countdown. The gravity of this planetoid is very strong. We'll need every bit of thrust for our takeoff. Don't worry. I know we're going to make it. Start your countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5,
6: 4, 3,
7: the beginning is only the beginning only the
0: beginning well that's going to conclude tonight's episode of frightening tales i hope you enjoyed the stories right now tommy and i are going to go ahead and watch Bigfoot and Elvis perform with their band, The Hairy Dwarves. So until next week, we'll see you there.